Hello, everybody, and welcome to Chop On. We appear every Wednesday in the U.S. at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Thursday morning in India at 6 a.m. Indian Standard Time, and Australia at 10 a.m. Australian Central Standard Time. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Chop On Pod. We have our link tree attached on our bio on those pages, so you can find the right podcast platform for you to listen to our show. Once you find that platform, please like, rate, review, but most importantly, make sure you subscribe to your favorite podcast that brings together cricket and wrestling. My name is Rajiv, and I am here with the man who never writes fiction in his pieces, Crick Buzz's own Bharat Sundaresan. Hello, brother. How are you doing this week? Uh, have you read all, all of my pieces, Rajiv? Like the, all the pieces I've written in the last 14 years. Are you sure I've never written fiction? I mean, you, that's what I've heard. Uh, you know, Eric Bischoff says that a proper journalist doesn't write fiction, and you told him that you are a proper journalist, so I hope, brother, that I'm not misleading our audience here. Well, there is fiction, but there is also the old adage of never let too many facts get in the way of a very good story. So <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. The one thing though I would not do as a journalist and I always advise people not to do as a journalist. And I actually, speaking of Eric Bischoff, I just tweeted it out this morning. I was listening to 83 weeks this, uh, this week. And, you know, the second as, as much fun as it was to listen to Kevin Nash, I really thought the second half where they spoke about the current um, scene in wrestling was uh I, I really enjoyed it because I think the thing with Eric Bischoff is um, he doesn't take sides. I don't think he has to, right? He's not really a full-time part of the industry. And you get a very rational and a very um, unbiased view of what's happening. Otherwise, the we've discussed this in the past. The industry is so divided between WWE and AEW. Actually, it's more, the way I look at it, it's more... Um, WWE and people who don't like WWE. Mm. Yeah, there is a section of AEW, but I think that's much smaller than what it's made out to be. Uh, and uh, as a result, you never never get the real story after a point, right? Like, and that's why I think Eric Bischoff breaks it down well, uh, which is exactly what I try to do, which is what every journalist should do. <laughs> and, uh, and I try to spread that word. And yeah, I mean, the, uh, I don't think I've ever written fiction, but more than that, even if I have written fiction, I would forgive myself for that. Uh, but if I've just gone on, on this opinionated judgment about anything, then I think I've been uh, very, very unfair, not to just, not just to myself, but to the industry, which hopefully I've not done. No, I, I agree with you, brother. It is always great to hear unbiased opinions. Unfortunately, on this show, we have a little bit of a biased opinion with myself, but you are very good at staying in the middle most of the time. You do admit, oh, you know, I'm a big, I love the Windies and I'm in Australia. So you admit it, but you, you're very fair. You're very down the middle. And something else that I think is very fair that we need to talk about before we get into our show today is there's a new deal going on with AEW and television and in India. Can you tell us a little bit about what you saw earlier this week? Uh, I was really, really excited by that when I saw uh, 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 Sports Kida wrestling. Firstly, I have to tell you about Sports Kida. Sports Kida is, um, uh, is, a, is a sports website in India and... Uh, uh, while they cover all sorts of sports, I've known a few people who have worked there. Uh, but for for me, what they've done with wrestling is really, really impressive because I think they've really uh, started doing proper journalism on um, on uh, 
on you know on on wrestling and uh, when i was doing some research for uh, last week's show where we had the great jeff jared um like the you know jeff jared will soon be playing cricket for rajasthan royals jeff jared <laughs> or or b i think uh, yeah i mean we won't give away too much but like yeah it feels like he's going to uh if not play for them maybe coach the rajasthan royals in the near future i mean, i say rajasthan royals because they do have uh, they do make interesting choices in terms of who they bring into the coaching staff That's true. but while i was doing some research for them i found an interview that jeff jared had done with another long haired indian um, i forget his name arup i think who works for sports kida wrestling uh, this is when i think the my world podcast was announced and uh, i was thinking I, i forgot to mention that to jeff uh, i wanted to tell him that, that not all indian men have long hair like yeah I mean, <laughs> so the only the two indian guys he's given interviews to or been on a show with in the recent past anyway have looked like that but yeah the, the deal is um based the, the aw has linked into tv deal with eurosport india now i'll be very honest um i eurosport india was not around when i was still in india which is two and a half years ago when since i left india so um but they seem to be making some some inroads they seem to be uh, bringing a lot of uh, non regular sport uh, like uh, you know m- m- the what do you call it the moto gp which uh, Oh, oh, like you know, over time has kind of slipped out of India. They, uh, we used to get the MotoGP once upon a time uh, when uh, uh, Valentino Rossi was still around. Like that's the only name I know in MotoGP uh, circles because uh, <laughs> we saw a lot of ads of him. But uh, yeah, they do seem to be slowly making some inroads. And uh, what better way to uh, make a proper in uh, inroad into India than to bring AEW because I know a lot of people um and I know one one guy who really listens to our podcast very loyally and a big shout out to you Juju I've been on his podcast a couple of times it's called taking it slow so uh, and he has a and unlike uh, even what we do Rajiv he has so many different kinds of people uh, on his show he does it with his cousin um yeah and like you know people who are, are from different fields uh not just sport and uh he is a crazy AEW fan uh you know he's a crazy crazy wrestling fan but um more than anything i'm happy for him <laughs> that AEW is coming to india so uh they've signed this deal and uh, uh like i said eurosport india and uh, when when does it uh i think they go uh live let me just check this yes on oh, of course on independence day is india's independence day is 15th course. august so we're talking just uh, 10 days from um, today uh, that is when you're listening to this podcast so from 10 days from today uh, you'll be able to see aw dynamite and when once rampage starts aw rampage um, live in india um, how good's that like now and so you have now a proper um, you know you can make that choice as well do you want to watch wwe do you want to watch aw do you want to watch both and uh, i as far as i know the indian audience will really really like aew because uh, of the storytelling that gets involved uh, we always like to mention the storytelling part and what i do hope and i did tweet this out uh, as soon as i heard about this deal is uh, that i have a feeling aew will do a better job at creating indian characters like you know i don't see them go for the old trope of maharajas and you know freaks uh, like the great khali but uh, yeah maybe that evil it character that i keep uh, telling everyone about uh, it's going to come about in uh, aw on rampage once they break into india yeah and let's not forget uh, they're taking it to india but uh, tony khan his father 
originally came from Lahore in Pakistan. So he comes from the subcontinent. He used to play a lot of cricket. So I don't know how much Tony Khan is, of course, um, half Pakistani, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, I don't know how much cricket Tony Khan watches or is interested in. So, but I'm sure uh, with uh, that kind of uh, family background from that kind of heritage, maybe we'll see cricket and wrestling come together in the ring after all. Yeah, let's definitely hope so. And hey, what better way to break internationally with a TV deal than in a country that has over a billion people there? And, you know, everybody keeps saying in the AEW post show on YouTube, bring AEW to India, bring AEW to India, that now it's become a running joke of the post show. So I'm sure that coming to India is definitely on their mind. And we hope that we are on your mind. But if you haven't listened to us before, we are going to take topics related to cricket and wrestling and discuss them for five minutes maximum each. If we end a topic before the five-minute mark, then that is great. Otherwise, we cut ourselves off at the five-minute mark. We know we have listeners that love cricket but don't understand wrestling, or they love wrestling and maybe they don't know cricket very well. So we try to enlighten our listeners by having a term or rule of the week and also a history lesson. So, brother, are we ready to jab the ball around and rotate this strike? Um, actually, the ball did not hit my bat. It did hit my pad, though, and I was attempting a shot, which means a leg by is legal. There you go. Terms and conditions fit in, which also means that, yes, we can rotate the strike. Yes, that's a leg by from the umpire, and I'm going to present topics, and we will go back and forth on these. Here is our first topic. WWE announced Bray Wyatt has been released. In a statement on WWE.com, they said WWE has come to terms with the release of Bray Wyatt. We wish him the best in all his future endeavors. It was recently reported that WWE was keeping Wyatt off TV for the time being for reasons that were not related to creative. He had been away from the ring since WrestleMania 37 where he lost to Randy Orton. He made an appearance on Raw the next night for a Firefly Funhouse segment, indicating a fresh start pw insider noted that john laurinitis made the call to wyatt and said that it was nothing that bray had done to cause his departure and was simply due to budget cuts the reaction within the company has been described as stunned considering how well wyatt had been for merchandise sales in recent years with the fiend version of his character being successful with shirts and action figure sales according to a report from fightful numerous stars staff and employees think there's more to wyatt's release than just simply budget cuts many are said to be very very frustrated and they don't feel like their jobs are safe any longer no matter where they are on the card not too long ago we also heard that rick flair asked for and was granted his release there aren't too many details around that rick flair did put out a tweet today that he's not angry with the wwe but it was a difference of opinion brother this was certainly a shock to me uh what are your thoughts on the release of bray wyatt and rick flair Actually, I was just uh, carrying through Twitter this morning and Ric Flair, as, uh, I don't know whether you saw that, Rajiv, he's uh, uh, posted a comment or a, or a statement on his Twitter feed. Um, I can read it out if you want. He said that I'm officially able to respond to all the press related to my requested release from WWE, which they have given me. I want to make it really clear with everyone that I'm not upset with WWE at all. Of course, they solely are responsible for putting me in the position of life that I'm in right now, where I've... I'm seen in the brightest light ever. We have a different vision for my future. I wish them nothing but continued success. Thank you for everything. Nothing but respect. But the most interesting thing for me is every uh, word in this statement uh, is in the 
first letter is in caps so <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of rather cute you can make out that it's a slightly aged person uh, you know typing this out if or unless it's they're trying to make a statement of course the first comment below that tweet is uh, someone's uh, you know picked on the a of am the e of uh, i'll check this out it's that funny yeah e of wwe and um, uh, they've also picked out a capital w of uh, uh, one of the other words and they've said that oh that means he's going to aew so it's it's amazing it's amazing uh, you know how, how people just jump to these conclusions but having said that just looking at how uh, the trend seems to be WWE releases someone, AEW brings them in. Whether regardless of whether they're really, really high profile or if they are, uh, you know, talents that the world expected WWE to make uh, much more of, but they did not. Or if it's major Hall of Fame talent like Mark Henry or Christian or... Uh, the big show. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know what role Ric Flair uh, could play at uh, at AEW, but, uh, but but you never know. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting considering Charlotte is still here and Ric, uh, I know her her partners in AEW and uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting family mix. Uh, maybe Ric Flair should go to Impact or something, just like you know, occupy. Occupy the entire wrestling industry. So, Ric Flair is an interesting one. Bray Wyatt, look, I, I heard Conrad talk about it on um, 83 Weeks, about the comment from Vince McMahon. I just pulled it up here as well, where he apparently told the investors, like on their uh, monthly investor call, that I'm not sure. Uh, when asked about the AEW, he said that he doesn't see AEW as um, competition. Uh, and... Uh, you know, he said that it's not he does it's not like WCW where it was Ted Turner was coming after us with all of Time Warner's assets. Uh, this is AEW. Uh, they can they can do whatever we want. And then the the line that stood out was uh, he said when it comes to their talent, perhaps we could give them some more. And this comes uh, literally uh, on the day or the day before Bray Wyatt, the news of Bray Wyatt being released. Uh, uh, you know, what uh, was published uh, online or uh, whoever reported it first. So it while it's disappointing that Bray Wyatt's gone because of what he brought to um, to his character, like you know, and we've heard so much about him being a creative genius. Um, I think in some ways he had run its course. The, the Bray Wyatt character, the Fiend character, had run its course. And how many times can you be burned to the ground and you can appear uh, can and then you appear from underneath the ring or uh, you know from the darkness and then you go back to hell like. How, like, you know, the Undertaker himself, the great Undertaker himself had to, um, you know, uh, uh, regenerate, uh, regenerate, let me try that word again, uh, regenerate, oh, no, well, I'm, I'm giving up on that word, rejuvenate, rejuvenate, yeah, rejuvenate, oh, thanks, yeah, this is why I'm a better writer than a talker, <laughs> even though I pride myself on talking nonstop, no, but, um, you know, he had to kind of, uh, of, uh, you know, add a new layer of paint, as Conrad says, to his character so many times. He was the Undertaker, but he was different kinds of Undertaker. Uh, almost every year he changed, whether it was a Ministry of Darkness Undertaker. Of course, the, he played the American badass, but even with the darks, dark-edged Undertaker, he com- reinvented himself so many times. And I think with Bray Wyatt, he's done that. You, you, he just can't go back to playing Bray Wyatt, right? In the sense, the... Normal, no mask, nothing. Uh, maybe he could have. Maybe he could have. Uh, they could have found a very 
cold-blooded, uh, you know, cold-blooded killer like uh, like Angle. But maybe it's uh, it ran its course. I, I also did read an interesting piece now when it comes to, or does that mean he'll immediately go to AEW? I mean, Braun Strowman said, come to the, uh, you know, I'm waiting for you, brother, even though we don't know where Braun Strowman's going. The Dark Order, I saw tweeted, uh, you know, uh, you can, uh, I think something along the lines of you, you the door is always open or, uh, you know, you can come here, brother, or whatever. So the assumption immediately is like, it seems to be these days that he'll go to AEW. But I read an interesting report about whether AEW has the production uh, value and or the production um, uh, capability to pull off some of Bray Wyatt's ideas, because we've heard that. Like he, um, it, it is a very... Um, He's a grand character. Like you need a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, special effects to pull off the Bray Wyatt fiend character. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I, you know, it, it's if to compare uh, compare with any something something else from mainstream uh, media or uh, you know pop culture. Uh, we've seen it with shows like Friends and Seinfeld. Those characters really did struggle to play anything else. They were always looked at as Chandler. Uh, or Kramer, or you know, um, or uh, Jason Alexander, as funny as he is generally, but he'll he'll always be George Costanza. So similarly with Bray Wyatt, I don't know if he can be taken seriously as anything else but Bray Wyatt. I think Alistair Black and Andrade still hadn't reached that top level. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he goes. Yeah, once you start seeing the big names leaving WWE earlier this year, neither of these really are a surprise. I will say, though, that the Bray Wyatt one did hurt me a little bit because I love what he has done with WWE since his debut. He was always, like like you were saying, evolving his character, staying as relevant as possible, and I think that's a testament to his hard work. I thought the Fiend character was great. His WrestleMania entrance this year was badass, but there's only so much you can do with this variation of the character. And I think it, like you were saying, it's run its course after the whole Randy Orton feud. Where do you go from here is what I thought after that WrestleMania match. And, you know, what does this mean for Alexa Bliss going forward? I mean, I think that's the biggest question to come out of this. Her current version of her character is predicated on the fact that she has that association with Bray Wyatt and his fiend character. So does she now Mm -hmm. leave the dark side and come back a changed woman? I guess only time is going to tell us for that one. And then Ric Flair is Ric Flair. I mean, at this point in his life, he... He doesn't need WWE. I'm, I'm sure the paychecks were nice, but when you're on TV and you're doing something as embarrassing as what he was doing with that whole Lacey Evans storyline, I would have asked for my release too. And like you were talking about, it's fascinating now that Andrade is in AEW and Ric Flair asked for and was granted his release. What does this mean for Charlotte going forward? And I think that is going to be intriguing to watch as well. No, indeed. And uh, yeah, just about Alexa Bliss, I think, uh, because she has created um, her own niche with her character, maybe she can continue doing what she's doing uh, and add this Bray Wyatt leaving to to the storyline, maybe. Minor league cricket has begun in the U.S. 24 matches at nine different venues took place over the weekend. Minor league cricket is the only nationwide tournament and forms a critical part of evolving USA cricket's domestic cricket structure and pathway. The primary aim of the tournament is to give a platform and opportunity for the best cricketers in America to showcase their abilities at a national level and build cricket in communities across the country. All the matches are free to view on willow tv and youtube 
What are your thoughts on this finally getting underway? And will this indeed help build cricket in such a non-cricket focused country as USA? And I think this is super exciting for cricket fans in America. I hope this is going to translate to non-cricket fans here, but I think that's going to be difficult because of the fact that this is only really available online. If you ask anybody that's just walking the streets right now, hey, did you know minor league cricket started this weekend? they would probably tell you no, unless they were Indian, Pakistani, from the Windies, and anywhere that has a cricket base already, they probably know that minor league cricket is going on. But if you ask somebody that maybe doesn't, they're not going to know that this is going on. This is paving the way for up coming cricketers though and that's very exciting you also have Ali Khan who's probably the most well-known American cricketer playing for the Houston Hurricanes and he's also fun to watch always and then you have the former India under 19 World Cup winner Smith Patel who had an unbeaten knock of 99 in his minor league cricket debut as captain for the Manhattan Yorkers so there's excitement for sure it's great that it's building up and coming cricket for USA cricket but unless they get a true TV deal here in America, which I hope happens for Major League Cricket once that starts up, I don't think you're going to be able to build much of a fan base that is not cricket central. No, I think you make uh, a lot of good points. And considering you are there and you are a cricket fan, uh, you like you said, you're aware of it happening. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was just, uh, you know, we uh, work for Crick Buzz, number one cricket website in the world, cheap plug. Uh, you know, they, they were the first ones to have appoint a, a US correspondent. And the main reason for that is they have invested money into American cricket as well, Times of India Group and Crick Buzz themselves. So, uh, uh, which they see it as a market, uh, not just a, a budding market, but a market which is ready to. Uh, really, you know, explode. Uh, so many Indian expats have always been Indian expats. And another thing we've always heard about cricket in the USA is a lot of West Indian, former West Indian cricketers going there. And uh, uh, not so much, And I mean, a couple have played for um, the US as well. Xavier Marshall uh, jumps to mind immediately. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, but I think it's more about, uh, and I think Clayton Lambert played for them as well in the 2004 Champions Trophy. But uh, a lot of them, even in the 90s, would go and play in the leagues and make a lot of money, especially in Florida. And a lot of them do have second homes in the US. So um, I remember when my brother moved there in 2001, uh, him talking about a lot of them playing in DC, the likes of Franklin Rose and co. Uh, and even just looking through the scores, uh, uh, you see a lot of those names pop up. Ricardo Powell has made a Come back to international cricket, or not international cricket, but to cricket, comp- competitive cricket. I see Ricardo Powell, of course, um, you know, our cricket viewers, uh, our listeners will remember him having scored that famous 100 in Singapore against India in 1999. Uh, didn't do much after that, but, uh, you know, he's playing cricket in the US. Uh, Asad Fudadin, who played test cricket for uh, West Indies still four or five years ago, he's there. Uh, and uh, uh, now we've seen. Um, bunch of domestic Indian players move there as well. You spoke about Smith Patel. Um, another member of that very same under-19 World Cup winning squad, Harmeet Singh, who's been through a lot in his life and his career in the last few years, uh, you know, good and bad. Uh, he's moved there. He's trying his luck there. Saurabh Netrawalkar, of course, is USA cricket captain, international captain. He made his debut in India. So a lot of Indians are moving to the U. I I mean, Indians are always moving to the US, but now we have like a few cricketers moving there as well. Um, so it, it's all well and good, like having all of them and, you know, uh, 
you know, having some competitive cricket going. Uh, uh, we had someone the other day, Rajiv, on our, the talkback thing, Twitter space that I've started with my good friend Gaurav Joshi or Gab Joshi. And we had someone from America, uh, an Indian expat, talk about the minor league and how excited he was to go watch it and just to follow it and uh, how it was a good sign. And uh, I told him, I, I did tell him about how often we speak about it on Chop Horn and you know, the grassroots uh, that have been laid in place, not just for the men, but even for the women. All that is good, but at the end of the day, it comes down to marketing. Like you need to, um, you know, like we did with Jeff Jarrett last week and like we always try to do with Eric Bischoff, you need to get people, uh, not just people who matter, but uh, you need to get the youth involved. You need to make it exciting uh, when you're introducing a newish product. We spoke about AW coming to India. I mean, live to India, not not uh, AEW, not touring India yet. That might happen. Uh, but, you know, um, uh, though that's a different beast, but what are you trying to do? You're trying to market it and take it to people who might uh, pick it up, not just the Indian kids, but uh, the American kids as well. Like, you know, make it exciting for them. So that needs to happen so that uh, uh, now that, the, you know, for as of now, people can go out and watch uh, sport in the US, maybe it's a good time to do that. Um, create a create a carnival like atmosphere is what I would suggest. If not for all games, you can get like you know local people to do that, which I've seen Australians do it really really well. They are even with their local footy leagues, they'll create that family atmosphere around the cricket, so that even if uh, you don't know anything about the sport, uh, you're there for to have a, a chat with, especially in this pandemic era, when you want human connection, it's a good way of doing it. Uh, you know, uh, have a couple of beers, chat to your friends, keep an eye on what's happening. Maybe you'll be intrigued by something you see, you want to know, and then you want to know more. That's how you build interest. So there are so many ways to do it. Um, and for all those listening to us uh, today and who are involved with US cricket, uh, yeah, we'll be sending you our bill very soon. <laughs> yes, we will. The, and hopefully our check is in the mail. Former Indeed. WWE wrestler and current Ring of Honor star Mike Bennett is in the news as he took to Twitter and called out WWE and specifically Vince McMahon. In a series of tweets, Bennett said that people who deny that Vince is a greedy, evil man are living in denial. In his opinion, fans can still enjoy the WWE product, but to him... Vince has become bad for wrestling. He also called Vince out for firing a mass amount of people during the worst health crisis in 100 years, all to save a few million dollars. Many people with families and children lost their jobs so Vince could become slightly more rich, was what he said. Brother, what are your thoughts on what Mike Bennett has to say? And do you think there is a valid argument here? Um, I, I actually... Uh, read that piece, a couple of pieces where Mike Bennett has completely, uh, you know, brought down Vince McMahon, um, his character more than the man. Um, but it does always going to happen, right? I mean, he played the evil boss on TV. Um, and, you know, all of us who are, have never been bosses in our lives, but we've always been employees. At some point in our lives, we've, we've hated on our bosses. Uh, and, and it doesn't even have to come down to... Um, one of us being fired, especially in this kind of during this time of a crisis. 
uh, we, 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 we wanted like, you know, we, we wanted bad things to happen to our boss. Let's face it. Anyone listening to it, if you uh, say you've never felt that way, then you know you're lying. <laughs> so, or you're a boss yourself. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry for all the bosses listening to us. But um, that that's really, really the harsh reality of life. And uh, um, yeah, while, you know, the, uh, I, I think I heard, um, who was it? I think it was Conrad who was talking about, or no, in fact, Eric Bischoff a couple of weeks ago when he said, when he was asked about Vince McMahon and he said the one thing that people don't know about him and he said that he has a much bigger heart than he's given credit for in terms of, and um, you see uh, historically, you know, they, the WWE have reached out to people like Scott Hall and so many others. They've helped them get back. I mean, yeah, I mean, Scott Hall benefited a lot from DDP yoga, but even before that, they've spent a lot of money in sending their, uh, you know, higher levels of talent into rehab and trying to help them sort their lives out. Um, and in a crisis, um, it, 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 we were all in a lose-lose situation, right? Uh, in the last uh, 18 months, uh, you're going to lose. If you lost your job, you are in, you are in strife as a boss. Like at times you had to make decisions like, yeah, I mean, uh, you can talk about saving a million very easily when you've never made a million, like, you know, it's you don't know the value of a million if that makes any sense uh and some of his comments have just come across as it like you know just being a disgruntled employee who's been let go by his boss uh and often people and it's it's a good and he's Vince McMahon is an easy person to kind of um you know, bring down that way as well, because he's played that evil character on TV for so long. He's got this reputation of being hard-nosed, doesn't care about anyone. will just get rid of anyone, uh, you know, in, in front of his path. But which, you tell me one successful businessman or business person, businesswoman who's not been that way. You're running a business, you know, you have to at some levels keep sentiments out of it, especially when it comes to letting go of people. Like we've seen so many people across the board in different parts of the world, in different companies, different facets of society being furloughed or being let go or, you know, being put on pay cuts. I was on a pay cut for the longest time last year. It didn't help, but like, you know, how do you argue against uh, them losing out on money because of the pandemic? How do you argue against that? So while things like, you know, Mickey James, uh, someone off her stature or anyone for that matter, like, you know, the way she was treated where with her, you know, with her stuff being sent in garbage bags and all that, well, that does paint the WWE in a bad light. And as a result, Vince McMahon, considering he is the whole and soul of that company, um, the fact that they immediately fired the guy who was in charge of that shows you that at least in my book that they do care. And while he might uh, come across as an evil, evil person for those who have directly been impacted by it. I don't think it makes him um, any different than any successful business person the world has ever seen. Yeah, this is a bitter former talent, if you ask me. I remember when Mike Bennett and his lovely wife, Maria Canellis first signed with WWE. He was so excited. He was always mentioning that in interviews, whether I was reading it in an article or listening to him on a podcast. He was just so happy, so excited that he was coming over. And then when he was going through a rough patch in his life, WWE helped him out. And he was just so thankful for the WWE for helping him out. But this right here tells me that his WWE career did not play out the way he wanted it to. And now he's taking it out on Vince. Is it sad that people are losing their jobs during a pandemic? Absolutely. But 
this isn't the only company that let people go. It wasn't just WWE. You had people all across the world losing their jobs because their companies weren't making money or they weren't really working. And there were all kinds of reasons to let people go. So I guess that makes everyone bad for the world and greedy because everybody was doing it. I mean, am I the biggest Vince McMahon fan in the world? No, I wouldn't even say I'm a fan of his at all, really. But there are lots of things happening in WWE that make me shake my head. I mean, there's things in AEW that happen that make me shake my head. But I think by calling your former boss a greedy, evil man just shows how bitter you are to the fact that things didn't go your way when you were there. Uh, And by the way, let's not pretend that he wasn't hired just because of his wife. I'm sure WWE was way more interested in Maria than they were Mike. And she probably said, oh, it's a package deal because I'm married and Mike, he wrestles. So we have to come in together or not at all. So I think he should just be thankful that he even had a chance because not everybody is given a chance to go to WWE and uh, he needs to just move on. England and India are set to start their five-match test series in England. This squad features the more traditional lineup of players for India than the one we saw in Sri Lanka recently for that series. However, India are already hitting a bump in the road as it has been shared that Mayank Agarwal is ruled out for the opening of the series as he was hit on the helmet during a training session and showed signs of concussion. KL Rahul is currently the front runner for replacing him at the top of the batting lineup, but it may have more information on that. But uh, what can we expect from this series as a whole, or does losing Mayank for at least the beginning of the series hurt India in any way? And I think we can definitely expect a competitive series. India is well known for needing a match or two to get going in test cricket, but since they've been in England so long, perhaps they don't need that grace period for themselves. I think England are going to come out guns blazing because, I mean, let's be honest, they have something to prove here too. Their last two series were against teams that were not on top of their game in Sri Lanka and Pakistan. Granted, those series did not have test matches in them, but The last time they had a competitive opponent was the New Zealand two test match series where England did not look good at all. And India want to bounce back after the world test championship didn't go their way and prove that they can win and win big on England soil. So I expect some great cricket out of this series. As for Mayank Agarwal, it is very, very unfortunate that he is ruled out for at least the opening test. He is a great batsman that I've really enjoyed watching for quite some time now. But KL Rahul is no slouch either. I mean, he can anchor in innings from the top and put some runs on the board. So I don't see this being too terrible for India. Terrible for Mayank Agarwal, yes. But he can always come back and do what he does best with the bat at any time. Yeah, I mean, firstly, just about that series, uh, you know, it's uh, it's being played at the time the Olympics is going on. So, uh, like Lawrence Booth, the, the editor of Vision and a very good friend of mine, tweeted a couple of days back, said, uh, rarely has a test series of this stature had such um, um, such an underwhelming build-up. Because not many people have really spoken about it, not so much in India nor in England, because the great um, because Great Britain as they uh, participate in the Olympics uh, have won a lot of medals. Uh, the Olympics is still going on; five more days left of it. I know nobody watches it in America, even though your athletes are doing really, really well as always. Uh, we can read the results but, on know, Twitter. There's no reason for us to watch. It's fine. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And it's also happening at an odd actually I wouldn't even say it's happening at an odd time. It starts at a great time for you guys. Like, you know, late afternoon. Uh you can like, you know, 
put a barbie on and you know get a few beers out and watch it but anyway i'm not going to judge america i've already told jeff jared last week what i thought of america <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> and i didn't mean it of course i love america actually uh yeah honestly i do the two times i've been there uh yeah i i i i know i am digressing as always raji but the first thought that came to my mind i told isha this as well in 2013 when we came there for the first time i was like why do people hate on america so much it's actually such a beautiful place like you know what i mean like because outside america there's all there's always so much negativity um, around it uh that you forget that it's a very beautiful country yeah right like you know there might be people who you might not appreciate which which who exist in all countries but uh, yeah I, i yeah i want to see so much more of america our road trip is planned for 2023 where we're going to drive to every state and then finally end up in Washington DC because I might have to see my brother but yeah that's for that's a topic for another day my family issues but um, yeah i mean the series um, as you can see as like i have digressed completely away from india england test series that's what has been happening in the last few uh, uh, like you know the days leading into the series uh, uh, by now i would have written quite a few pieces or i'm sure i would have been on multiple shows previewing the series but i've not i've done one radio show and i think uh, i have a couple of preview things coming up but it just tells you that while it is a big series people are not really paying that much attention yet but it is a five test match series so by the time the second test comes around even forget the second test if something dramatic happens in the first session of play today focus will shift to cricket there's also the start of a new cycle in the world test championships so excitement there as well as we well know india were defeated by new zealand in the world test championship final the last time they played a test two months ago in england they've been there um they played one warm up game they practiced a lot amongst themselves they've had some injury concerns in terms of some of the reserve players washington sundar um, you know and avish khan having to return uh, prithvi shant surya kumar yadav have flown from sri lanka they are in quarantine because they were close contacts to krunal pandya who did test positive um so uh, you know you spoke about mayank agarwal yeah and now of course uh, shubman gill had already uh, returned home with injury mayank agarwal unfortunately as was hit on the head in the nets and he's suffer, uh, suffered a concussion so he's missing out from the first test um talk of kl rahul opening but i will not be surprised if they stick hanuma vihari up there uh, there is another that is another option they are talking about they really do like having hanuma vihari in the middle they really have that trust factor within the coaching staff the team manager so and he is technically very very sound um and that allows them to stick with their five bowler theory uh the only question for me would be whether they play both spinners which is what they preferred doing where jadeja plays as the all rounder ahead of ashwin who both plays as the bowling all rounder at number and bats at number 8 um uh, but it looks like they might maybe looking at the pitch some green greenness about it uh, we've seen jimmy anderson talk about it as well in the last few days so maybe they might go in with four seamers if that does happen then i definitely do pick shardul thakur as the fourth seamer uh, and uh, him to bat at eight as uh, you know the problem with india is their fast bowlers don't bat <laughs> and it's a right. it's a big issue they do have, end up having a long tail which is one of the main reasons they they want to go in with uh, you know that extra batting option uh, which is you know the the two options they have is jadeja as the all-rounder uh, or shardul thakur comes in and then ashwin bats at 7 uh, and you know uh, 
uh, Shardul and him can between them can be like a complete all-round package. So that's the way I see it happening. Unless they, of course, play Shardul Thakur and still play two spinners, which really extends their batting. But I don't think uh, that adds anything to the to their bowling. As much a fan of Shardul Thakur as I am, so uh, talk of Mohammad Siraj definitely playing ahead of Ishan. That's interesting as well. So we'll have to wait and watch. But um, it's going to be. I mean, any five Test match series we rarely get five Test match series these days. Only the Ashes or when India play England. So uh, and it's a very tightly packed test match series as well so test matches will come and go very very soon um and yeah i mean there's a, a, a lot to look forward to like every time india go to england uh, at least they have gone to england the last few years it's i mean billed as the their best chance to win in england <laughs> so this is the third straight time that's going to that's being said um and yeah and you know it's also the last test series for the coaching staff for uh, you know ravi shastri baratarun have done such a great job uh they just have uh, the world t20 to t20 world cup to go after this so uh yeah it'll be good for them to uh, end at least their last overseas tour they might have a test series in india against new zealand i'm not sure but definitely their last overseas test tour so they would want to finish it on a high and i cannot wait and now it is time for terms and conditions with our resident expert Bharat Sundaresan. So brother, I've had this question asked of me a couple of times from some non-cricket watching folks and uh, I always give an answer but I never feel like it's enough. So we need you to tell everybody why do they use the same ball throughout an innings of a team? Well, um it, it depends uh it, it, you uh use different balls in one day cricket these days but we'll we'll break it down in detail uh, after like you know i just uh, give you a over, overview of why they do that uh because cricket is a game based so much on conditions right like it's about uh, uh the weather comes into play the pitch conditions and so it, that's why they call it a test right it it was originally called a test because you're testing yourself against nature and till the early 70s 1970s they played cricket on uncovered pitches and what uh, uncovered pitches mean is uh, if it rained they never covered the pitch they were all like left uncovered in the sense uh, uh, so nature could play its play its uh, you know role in whatever uh and in having an impact on the way the pitch plays and and everything the outfield and everything so uh, it was it was you testing yourself against your own ability i mean against your own uh, uh, nerves about against your own uh, it's a test versus your own self your own insecurities it's a test versus uh, the opponents but it's also a test versus nature and that's why it was called test cricket um and um you know there's so much riding on a cricket ball in during a game of cricket you know it, it it's uh, on paper it's just uh, you know a piece of uh, a, a piece of leather really uh, you know over over a cork and um, uh, but the ball really dictates how a cricket game goes right um, so uh, what it does of the pitch the condition of the ball and uh, you know how well you take care of it uh, so that's one of the main reasons uh, cricket uh, in test cricket you use one ball like the ball you start with uh you get to change it only after 80 overs then you can ask for a second new ball as they call it um uh, and and but like yeah, i mean the, the reason i just explained to you uh, about it being a test against everything is why like you know even the condition of the ball the nature of the ball it's all a challenge you always test yourself it's different 
for the challenge for a batsman is different challenge for a bowler. It also depends on where you're playing. Like in England, in conditions like England, you want to keep the ball new because the 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 uh, not new, but you want to keep the shine on the ball for longer because the longer the shine stays, the longer it moves around in the air. Uh, it does things that it does unnatural things, which is what it swing and spin is. Um, it doesn't go straight, unlike in maybe some other ball sports. Um, in the subcontinent, in hotter conditions, in drier pitches, you want the ball to scrap up, scruff up earlier so that you know it grips more, it spins more. It, in some cases, reverse swing. I mean, we'll talk about reverse swing in detail some other day. Um, so it, it's it's basically what it is. Is uh, they're saying that all right? You have you start with start with a brand new ball in the morning, and by the end of the day. Uh, you know, it's about how you take care of it. It's uh, as a fielding team, it's uh, about how the batsman or you as the batsman deal with it, the different changes that uh, happen naturally and at times unnaturally to the ball. Um, and like I said, it's just a test that never ends. Uh, it, it, that's why they use the ball. But then they um, started using, uh, they, were, they always used to use one ball again throughout an innings for one day cricket. But then uh, there was in uh, 50 over cricket that is. But uh, a few years ago, they realized that actually quite a few years ago, they realized that um, the ball was just in such a bad condition towards the end that uh, the bowlers could do nothing with it. So uh, they were really being uh, taken to the cleaners in the last few hours. So then they brought in two new balls. So what happens in 50 over cricket is they start with a brand new ball on either end. So you basically bowl 25 overs each with one ball at one end and 25 overs each with a ball at the other end. That's what they do in 50 over cricket. In 20 over cricket, you don't need two balls. But having said that, you can change legally change, get the ball changed during the course of a match if it loses its shape or if the seam um, that's on top of the ball all around it starts coming off or if the ball's condition is uh, altered in such a way, naturally or unnaturally, uh, that uh, you know you can't function function with it normally. Those are times you can get the ball changed. You take it to the umpire and he or she decides whether uh, it needs changing or not. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I think uh, yeah, uh, it's just an extension of cricket being a metaphor for life. Deal with whatever you have. <laughs> and uh, recently on AEW Dynamite, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, there was what was called an elimination match. Can you explain to those that maybe don't know wrestling very well what exactly is an elimination match? Well, um, an elimination match is uh, basically, I mean, people immediately jump to the elimination chamber <laughs> uh, concept, because which has been around for the last 10, 12, 14 years, I think. Uh, but uh, elimination matches have always existed. And uh, uh, I think um, an elimination match is basically different to a tag team match. Basically, in a tag team match, there are you need multiple people involved. It can't, it, an elimination match doesn't exist with being just two people for good reason. <laughs> so, uh, you know, because one, once one person gets eliminated, the other person is naturally left standing or is the winner. Um, so uh, I think elimination matches came into being, uh, you know, long before the Survivor Series became a thing, when you would have a group of people on one side and a group of people on the other side, uh, where, you know, uh, rather than depend on one pinfall, like would happen in a, in a tag team match, in a normal standard tag team match, uh, you, have a, you have a situation where, you know, one wrestler gets eliminated 
at the you know at one time so uh, either they get pinned or they get submitted or whatever 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 for whatever reason they their participation in the match is complete uh, but then maybe they get disqualified or counted out and i think i mean if you look at the creative side of it it was mainly done to really load up the heels against the faces where you know especially if you had that one face that you would really want to push uh you know it's a classic underdog story right you go in with three partners there are four guys on the on the opposition and you lose all your partners it's one against four or one against three and how you overcome i mean what is a baby face it's basically someone who overcomes all the odds to end up as a hero i mean that is my definition of a baby face i think it's a wonderful definition well done bharat but like yeah <laughs> it's uh, so basically it's it's all about that so i think that's how the elimination concept came into being um and then it's been used in other ways as well i mean the the battle royale which later on became the royal rumble that's technically an elimination match where each wrestler gets eliminated like when they get thrown out of the ring that's another form of basically what it means is the moment one person loses the match isn't over they that person has been eliminated but the match continues till there is one winner or one team that has won moving on to our next segment fact or fiction and bharat we have another guest this week you can find him hosting many zooms on adfreeshows.com and occasionally he fills in for one conrad thompson on his podcast he is the heir apparent himself polly b paul bromwell how are you doing today polly I am doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. I am excited to be here. We're we're super uh, excited to have you here, aren't we, Bharat? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I liked your introduction, Rajiv. The only thing I disagree with is I don't believe in these uh, the whole hair apparent business. Um, you know, to to quote uh, Roman Reigns from that infamous pro- promo against John Cena from a few years ago. Why does Paul Bromwell need to be? the next best conrad thompson when he can be the best paul bromwell he is and i think I like uh, it. you know i think he <laughs> no i think he's created honestly he's created his own niche uh, in doing what he does uh, you know he uh, he guides conversations uh, so well like you know uh, yes conrad has his own style but you know paulie's uh, found found his own style and uh, yeah that's how i look at paulie bromwell like you know conrad can do his own thing and you know that's what paul paulie has his own um own image and he's, yeah, he's building on it and he's got a great haircut too yeah i must say yeah you know it's nice and easy but no thank you for saying that i think that's important um to get across to the audiences i am definitely not conrad thompson for sure there's so many people that want to remind me of that every day on twitter <laughs> he's no conrad thompson you're no conrad thompson well you got that right and i never claimed to be i'm definitely there to help out and do whatever i can and i sound very different completely different accent and i'm going to talk different and be different and that's okay and maybe i'll ask different questions and bring something like you said a little different to the table uh, but it allows the big guy to take a breather every once in a while and i think that's good for everybody so And this week fact or fiction is going to be 100% wrestling based as Ooh. there has just been so much going on in the news lately and Polly like us you are also a huge fan of wrestling before we get into fact or fiction can you give a little bit of your history with professional wrestling Wow, sure. So I've been a fan since uh 1983 or 84. So long-time fan started with uh I guess when Hulk Hogan became a thing back in the early 80s and been a fan 
of all of it, from WWFE uh, to Jim Crocker Promotions, WCW, AWA, the territories, all the way through the Nitro era, the Attitude era, all the way up to where we're at today. So uh, AEW guy, WWE guy, I love it all, uh, Ring of Honor, all the good stuff. Uh, so just been a fan. I took a little bit of a break in the early 2000s when I got married and all that good stuff, but uh, have never really drifted too far away from the business and uh, just enjoy pro wrestling. It's been a, uh, a grandfather to father to son. Now I'm watching it with my oldest son. So uh, really enjoy it for, for what it is. And it's, uh, uh, you know, again, just uh, entertainment and enjoy, enjoy wrestling. Hey, before, before Paul, you look so young, man. Like I was born in 1985 and I heard you talk about having been a fan since 83, 84. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 77 you, for me. So I'll be 44 oh. in September this year. I don't mind sharing. You're a very young looking 44. If I may so. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when the hair starts bailing. You just <laughs> shave it all off. It's a nice trick that, uh, I was watching, you know, Lashley wrestle the other night and I was watching Goldberg come out and I think there's something to the trick of shaving your head, hair, you know, your hair off. I think there's something to look and helps you look a little younger, right? Rajiv. I certainly hope so because I've been doing this haircut for quite a few <laughs> years now. So if I can stay looking young, like you, Polly, I'm uh, all in. I'm go. all in. Hey, 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 Paul, Paulie, uh, I really like you. I love you. But, you know, we cannot stay friends if you bring up shaving head, shaving your head off or uh, even like, you know, those conversations make me very, very uncomfortable for obvious reasons. So but you you're have not a very beautiful about. head of hair. So you're good. You keep yours. You look good. Me, I didn't have the luck that you had with your, I'm follically challenged. So I am as well, Paulie. So here on Fact or Fiction, I'm going to present a topic and then Bharat and Polly will each say whether they think it is fact or fiction and then make arguments as to why that is. Bharat, we're going to let you lead the way so Polly can take a look and see how this goes. So our first topic is John Cena working house shows proves that he is all in for his current run. Is that fact or fiction? I think it's ultimate fiction. John Cena is not here to stay in terms of uh, wrestling. Uh, I think it's it's smart on the WWE's part to make the most of him. Uh, they're basically just squeezing uh, squeezing his balls right now and making the most of whatever they, time they have off him. Because, you know, the other day I was watching TV here and uh, it, it's some American show, I don't know what it is. But that's going to be hosted by John Cena and some, some, some other lady. Uh, and, you know, he has so much more going for him in, in Hollywood and... Uh, when it comes to television and all that. I don't think he's going to give up on that to completely return to wrestling full-time. And, and the fact that you're seeing so much of him, he's on Raw, he's on SmackDown, and he's doing house shows. He's, you know, uh, he's putting out tweets about how he's going to be on a show five minutes before he comes to the ring. Uh, it just tells you that, um, you know, leading into SummerSlam and now that uh, crowds are back and uh, now that WWE is trying to make up for everything that they've lost, like or not just them but all other wrestling uh, promotions and all other companies around the world they're making up for 2020 by you know pushing like um, all ahead like you know to uh, towards SummerSlam and, and beyond and now that they've got John Cena they're just gonna yeah like a lemon they're gonna squeeze all the juice out of him uh, like most Indian companies do Polly uh, I don't know whether you ever dealt with any Indian company that's how uh, we, we like you know if you've been an employee of an Indian company, you know what exactly John Cena is going through right now. But yeah, but he seems to be really enjoying it. And you know we've heard so many 
um, wrestling personalities talk about that high of being in the ring and real people cheering for you, not people through those weird TV screens or whatever screens they were. I think the there's Dome. no high. Yeah, Thunderdome. Yeah, right. Like so, I don't think there's uh, any um, a- anything that compares to that high. And clearly, he's loving it. But to think that oh, this is John Cena is going to be back, and you know, before you know it, like he'll be fighting for the Intercontinental Title and getting into long-term feuds. Nah, I don't think that's happening. So for his current run. Is it fact or fiction that him working house shows is okay? So I'd say for the current run, him working house shows, does it prove that he's all in? I'd say that's that's fact, that he's all mm-hmm. in, simply because for the current run, he ha- would have to be, in, to me, he's all in that he is doing, that he's actually going to house shows. Now, for a long-term run, in, I, I agree, completely agree with you. He's not in for a, for a, for a long-term run. He's not going to be fighting. He's movies, he's TV shows. But for this little current stretch run that he's doing all the way to SummerSlam, the fact mm-hmm. that he's committed to doing house shows, I would say that that's a fact that I think that he's all in. I think just to do a TV appearance here and there to SummerSlam, if that's all he was doing, then it would be fiction. But if he's committed to me, I would say it's a fact that he's literally going to show up in Pittsburgh, in here, at there, and and make the house show loop at all. So I'll go with fact for the current run. As as I'm going to take that as a literal statement just for the current run and say fact. Yeah, I missed out on the current part. So yeah. I, 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 I listen. I heard current, and I just wanted to make sure I heard you. That's why I had you to repeat it. I want to make sure I got that, that. That's why you're the listener. I'm the talker. <laughs> <laughs> All good, man. All Next good. is AEW signing Brian Danielson and CM Punk could actually hurt them. Polly, is that fact or fiction? Uh, that, I would say that's fiction. To me, those two names alone equal drawing power for AEW. And I will lean on the example of what they've just done uh, with uh, the United Center in Chicago. It's a sellout. The biggest arena uh, that they've ever uh, won, you know, sold tickets for is already sold out. Now, granted, it's Chicago. It's what you would call their home base. It's Punk's home base. But uh, Punk is a name. He's one of those guys that's still arenas around the country here and there. And obviously more now because he's been brought back to light again. You're going to hear his name being chanted even in WWE arenas. To me, it's a home run. The Yes movement is still is still a big deal. Maybe not as hot as it once was, but Brian Danielson is not that old of a name. He just came off of WWE. just wrestled at WrestleMania. To me, it's a home run. They like to wrestle. If they start, you know, the forbidden door opens and we see more New Japan talent coming over that AEW wants to bring over, that's what he wants. Uh, I just don't see this as any kind of a loss. So to me, that's fiction. It's not going to hurt them, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to um, agree with my friend Paulie there. Um, uh, you know, it, it could it could act against them from a creative sense, but in terms of uh, business and uh, what they're going to gain from having, uh, if not both, even one of those people. And it looks like CM Punk, uh, uh, more than Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson for now, seems confirmed that he is coming. You know, like Paulie said, uh, the, the hints that they've been dropping and the fact that, uh, you know, the United Center is fully sold out and uh, like, I mean, what one thing we've learned from uh, watching Tony Khan is he, uh, you know, he kind of doesn't let a rumor 
linger for too long he would have like you know come down on it and said nah nah it's it's not happening uh, and you can't tease especially with someone like cm punk because uh, uh, you know he might have wrestled for the last time in 2014 and he might have decided that he's done with wrestling but everybody else who's watched wrestling or is a fan of wrestling thinks that he still has that one run left in him whatever run that is whether it's in the ring or um, as a manager or in a part of a major storyline so uh, you know that will always excite people and just throwing his name in there i think they for a change we don't see it much happening in wrestling across the board these days they built it up nicely they built up that whole uh, uh, anticipation and that excitement around his potential return uh really really well uh which which is already already you know turning turning uh, numbers for them uh and uh, i think AEW are making some good calls uh of late and uh, uh, but having said that i will say that it is going to uh and we'll talk about this in one of our uh, like you know following points is that it might hurt uh some of the younger wrestlers because the focus is going to shift on them right like the focus will you can't just bring cm punk in and uh, then just say that oh yeah i mean but he'll be there uh, he'll be on commentary like a big show or he'll just be behind the scenes like a mark henry he has to be front and center of their main storyline otherwise the cm punk thing it, i mean they would think that they're not making the most of it so that may that way it might hurt them but in terms of business and the money it's going to bring in and the attention it's going to bring in oh, no way i mean the only thing that'll give aw more attention is the fact that they've signed that deal with um, eurovision india and it's going to be broadcast in india to a uh, 1.3 billion people that's just the official population by the way yeah <laughs> wow hey and the other thing too is like he already said the first guy that, you know the rumor is that he wants to work with darby so if him and brian danielson come in and say i want to go with sammy i want to go with this guy that's going to be interesting too so exactly yeah when his contract is up wwe will let adam cole go but it is that fact or fiction um yeah i had to do some reading on this rajiv i'll be very honest i'm not the biggest nxt fan uh, we do get it here on tv but i haven't watched much of it but i mean who 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 are the wwe not going to let go <laughs> that's the big question now like they seem to be letting go of pretty much everyone but having said that every time you expect them to let go of someone they you know they actually hold back, hold hold them back in a way like samoa joe was they let him go but then they brought him back and then in it, uh, off late it's these uh, the last people you expect them to let go braun strowman and like bray white and so many others ruby riot those are the ones that they have let go so i don't know what's happening behind the scenes in wwe uh whether they're selling whether they're buying whether they've lost interest in wrestling or uh whether they know something that we don't know whether they're buying aew i thought that thought came to mind like you know when they when vince mcmahon's comment came out on that investor call that let them have all the talent they have is he planning on this massive takeover where he's going to buy aw who knows i'm not ruling anything out as of now but with um, adam cole i also read somewhere that his contract had anyway run out and he just signed a very temporary contract so that he lasts till the next uh, takeover and you know he finishes his commitments there um but, but another interesting aspect of that is like you know the fact that brit baker is there in uh, aw um, you know does that become uh, more motivation for him to go there or like we've seen with other wrestling couples uh, you know maybe it's not a bad idea to keep one foot here and one foot there like you know just 
keep your base, have your bases covered, which again, I thought, I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, Charlotte Flair is a completely different beast because of the flyer Flair dynasty and all that. But you know, if, um, if my, my wife and I were into different wrestling promotions, I would actually prefer not working with her, not being in the same ring as her. Like, you know, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a smarter way to go about life. Paulie will agree with me. I'm sure. Um, and also, <laughs> <laughs> and also it just like you know like i said it's uh that's me talking I mean, that's me talking but like you know it, it just makes sure that both our bases are covered in some way or the other uh but you know uh, again but with that uh, aw roster as well i mean you're just talking about him being let go by wwe but we've seen that it's like an open door closed door uh, scenario right now like every time one comes out of AEW like the AEW or WWE the AEW thing just like snatches them and brings them into the ring so uh, and someone like Adam Cole he kind of fits into that AEW system but then how many guys are you going to bring in right like you know when are they going to feature and we've seen that uh, uh, Polly, we were talking about this earlier uh, in one of earlier shows with Alistair Black there was so much hype around him but once you bring him in and then you brought three more other bigger names as well. So suddenly he doesn't matter as much, right? So that it, it's going to be interesting. But um, I think um, I'm going to say that they will not let go of him. I think Adam Cole will be held back in WWE. It's taking a pot shot here, like yeah. So uh, yeah, this is a tough one too. It is a tough. You you would think with everyone that they've let go already, Wyatt and there's rumors Strowman could come back. I. I uh, but you would think there's no way they let Cole walk too, right? But um, you would think that if they weren't going to let, if Cole wasn't going to walk, he would have already been signed. And I read something today, rumor that he's already uh, turned down a couple offers, uh, long-term offers. So, you know, and that's the internet. That's who knows what's, what's true and what's not true. I would say that I would not be surprised to not to see. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Cole show up in AEW, and I'll tell you why. I think that uh, if it wasn't for Rampage, because I think he is really uh, Tony Khan's really committed to try to build have as many superstars as possible now to load the rosters so that they couldn't literally have uh, Jim Ross. You know, Jr. When I when I do the little bonus shows with him, he's like, Paul, he's committed to having two stellar rosters for two shows. He doesn't see a and B he sees a and a. And with that said, like you were talking about Alistair black, it's, does he get lost in the shuffle? I think if you have punk and Brian and Omega and Cody and Moxley and Jericho, and I say these names, I'm like, God, what a company. I mean, you think about <laughs> how much talent they're really starting to, mm. to, to uh, have here. And then we're not even talking Guevara and Darby and Starks. And I mean, it's, so they're really amassing qu quite a bit of talent here. When you think about it between X, uh, WWE guys, their own guys and the young guys. Um, but I could see Cole there and with Britt Baker. Listen, there's been times a year ago where Shivani's getting pictures and they're all partying and who's sitting in the background, but Adam Cole. So he has a lot of friends over there. Very familiar with Tony Khan. I'm sure. I'm sure he's been in the suite of the Jaguars game. Let's not get ourselves. So he's very comfortable with everyone has that relationship, which is critical. Um, and I think you would think a talent like Cole, someone, one of the articles I read is that guy, uh, Seaman or Cayman or Seaman, whatever the, one of the head honchos at NXT, who's in charge of signing and working with talent down there. One of the reasons he was let go was because of the Cole contract situation. 
Uh, that was at least the rumor. So I don't know. I could see Cole making a leap. So I think he, I think let's, I'll go on the other side of he walks. I'll say he walks. I think he leaves. This is for fun, right? Hey, but, Let's have fun. Yeah, of course. No, I mean, we, we are all fiction writers on this show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but, but before you get on to the fourth point, Rajiv, I want to ask, Polly, fact or fiction, working your, with your wife in the same company is a good thing? Uh, that would be fiction. I mean, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fiction, fiction, fiction. I, I don't want to work with my wife in the same company. Especially if Rebel is in that company. Hell now our fourth no. point. <laughs> I want to work with Rebel and, and the same company, not with my wife. And I'll say that nice and loud. I don't care. We've been Fair married enough. twenty we've been married twenty years. It's all good. Wow. Yeah. All right. And our final point here today, Adam Page and his team losing on Dynamite, resulting in Adam Page not getting a title shot, was actually the right call. Polly, is that fact or fiction? <sighs> Man, this is a Ooh. tough one again, and I'll say why, and then I'll give you an answer. I'll quit playing both sides of the fence. So I will say it's tough because Adam Page, no one has been getting a hotter response from the crowd since the after the pandemic or whatever we're calling now, because who knows what we're back in, back out, whatever. Mm -hmm. But no one has been getting a hotter response from a live crowd than Hangman Adam Page right now. He is on a huge hot streak. And uh, so when he comes out, you feel like, man, he's got the momentum. That's who everybody wants to see face for the belt. Then you hear that him and his wife just had uh, a baby. So they're like, oh, well, maybe he's getting pulled back because they just had a child. And so I don't know. Uh, you, you felt like he had all the momentum and they were building that storyline with the Dark Order. And so it made natural sense for him to be facing him at all out. Uh, so... I think it, I, I'm just going to say from a wrestling fan's perspective, they blew it. They blew it. He should have been fighting him at all out for the belt. To me, that's where the crowd was headed with it, with his character. We're hot for him. We're all standing on our feet and cheering for him. That's how they've been building all the storylines as we've been going here. It's been him. It's been the Dark Order. It's been the buildup. It makes total logical booking sense that he should be facing him. So, no, I don't know why we have this U-turn all of a sudden here in August as we head to September for their one of their big four pay-per-views to have him not face it. So, um, you know, uh, I'm going to say it just doesn't make sense that he's been yanked. So whatever that was, if the answer should be fact or fiction, help me out there, Rajiv. What am I fiction. claiming here? You're fiction, 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 fiction. There we go. <laughs> but it? Um, whether it's fact or fiction, it also, for me, points back to the people that they're bringing in. I, I almost look at it as uh, them... Uh, not not doing a U-turn, but almost um, you know uh, taking um, you know hitting almost a crossroad with with that storyline. I'm totally with Polly. The momentum that Adam Page has had uh, in the last few months and, and their history as well, right? Like you know, yeah. Omega. They were a tag and, team. Um, the whole exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, and it it just plays out perfectly. I mean, that's classic rose, uh, wrestling storytelling, right? Like you know, tag team one breaks out and like you know suddenly wins titles around the world. Okay, that never happened before, but like you know, he's the belt collector and all that. And yeah. then you have um, the other tag team partner who's had his own feuds now playing catch up, and he's all almost got there, and he's got all the momentum with him. Uh, so the only reason I see them having you know almost pressed uh, the pause button on that could be uh, 
if they have someone else in mind and that someone else has to be someone coming in from the outside uh, which could be any of these guys like i don't know cm punk uh, you're talking dark order i saw a tweet as soon as uh, uh, bray wyatt was let go uh, the dark order welcoming him into the fold i don't know is it wow. going to be bray wyatt stroman who knows could could be anyone right like it could be one of those guys uh and like we've discussed so much about those guys you have to bring them into a hot angle i know i heard eric bischoff talk about how he would ease in a cm punk and then yeah. like you know have that slow build but that uh, eric bischoff is talking about wrestling in the 90s in some ways right like you know in yeah. 2021 everything has to be like you know it has wow. to be impactful not just in wrestling but everything else right everything else we do in life so uh um you know unless it gets a thousand likes and a 50000 retweets it doesn't matter <laughs> so uh, right. yeah i mean we face, face that in our industry so similarly i think they will want a hot angle for immediately for one of whoever comes in whether it's cm punk or daniel bryan or bray wyatt or whatever uh and you know what is the hottest what's the hottest angle in wrestling going after the the man with the title and you know with the man with that title that you know you've not been able to take away from him so uh that's the only reason i see that happening otherwise or, or if there's something that happened in his personal life where he is taken a break that's the only other reason i see uh, but if not for that i i think they have blown it like i'm with polly i think they've blown it well i'm going to actually hop into this one because i thought one of you would go fact and neither of you did and i am going to go fact and here's why storytelling i love storytelling think about this It was obvious to the audience that oh, Dark Order and Adam Page are going to win because Adam Page is going to fight Kenny Omega at All Out. Yeah, so let's just sit back and let it let it play out. And then he lost. That was shock value. I think this is just a layer to the story. Somewhere along the way, they're going to find a way to get Adam Page to fight Kenny Omega, and then eventually, Adam Page will be the one to dethrone the belt collector. And because of this loss here on Dynamite being so shocking, that pop is going to be even bigger than it would have been if they predictably let it build up to the way everybody is expecting it and had a little bump in the road to make people think, "Oh, wait a minute." that's not going to happen we're going to have people talk about this for a week so <laughs> there we go so you're saying it just it'll still happen i think it's still going to happen this right, is just uh, this is like like eric bischoff is like peel the onion we have layers this is this just is like what they did with finn balor jumping in on the roman reigns deal there you go exactly yeah. exactly yeah yeah or, or maybe uh, i mean if this was the ww i knew exactly what they would have done they would have brought in someone else and then made it a you know a three man race for that title like yeah that's that that's uh, triple threat is the wwe trope for uh, <laughs> these kind of scenarios so uh, yeah maybe you are right maybe uh, yeah it's it's all about that shock value which makes wrestling interesting and a I lot think, more fun yeah. so I think yeah, they almost sorry. have to, though. I think they almost have to, though, Rajiv, if, because if you take one of those new guys and thrust them in, you're, you have a pretty hardcore AEW audience that says, well, what the hell did you just do with Hangman Adam Page? Right. He was he was our guy. Exactly. And you just kind of buried him for no reason to bring in some WWE leftover. Or, well, you know what I mean? You know how people look at this stuff. Yeah, so. and, yeah, and if it was to be a CM Punk or a Brian Danielson, I think they would get the pop coming out because oh they're here but then after that it's like well wait a minute hangman adam page has been here and he's been pushing himself so hard and he's been working so hard 
and we wanted him to win, and now you have one of them? Like, and, and I think that Brian Danielson, I honestly think they're saving him for uh, Ar- Ar- uh, Arthur Ashe. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, yeah New York. So, Well, yeah, Pauly, so. thank you so much for being on Chop On today and for your great contributions to Fact or Fiction today. Go ahead and plug your social media so people can find you. Oh, you can find me at Pauly B. Well, P-A-U-L-Y B. Well, B-W-E-L-L. I want you all to be well. Uh, this has been fantastic. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and uh, working for adfreeshows.com. That's what I live, eat, and breathe uh, anymore, uh, helping out over there. And uh, you can check us out on adfreeshows.com and uh, really have a fun time over there working with Mike Kyoto on the Monday Mailbag every other Monday and uh, on all kinds of other stuff, bonus shows and X-Ray with Dr. Tom and work on that show with him, uh, getting ready to put a couple more shows in the can next Tuesday. So looking forward to that. Have a, uh, four matches that uh, we already have scheduled to cover off there. So lots of good stuff cover, uh, coming up. We're going to do the Mr. Wonderful Hulk Hogan, the old jumping off the big blue steel cage at the same time when their feet hit you remember that one and a couple other more uh fun matches that we're going to do so lots of good stuff coming up you can check me out uh over there helping out so i appreciate you guys uh having me on though but any last words for Polly before we let him go no i just appreciate paul eb for who he is and what he brings to our lives seriously Uh, i won't use that line that gets used a lot on ad free shows rajiv knows i don't like it thank you for everything that you do in my life i don't think Anybody that is that important in my life and know, definitely, right? <laughs> but uh, no, uh, no, no, it's, it, yeah. I mean, if you are listening to this, just follow Paulie B on everything he does. Uh, he's a good man who does a good job. Um, and yeah, he's like going back to what I said during the introduction. I know people think of him as the next Conrad. I don't think of him like that at all. He is Paulie B. He's creating his own niche. He's, uh, he is who he is and he's doing a great job with it. So yeah, thank you. Thank you, Paul, for enlightening us with your wisdom hey we can't do it without you guys you two guys uh, are great uh, members of ad free shows and have become great friends and supporters man so it's guys like you with great questions great great interaction and big time supporters that make it all happen really uh, we're nothing without you I, I i go through these shows and your two names pop up all the time and you bring the best out of the guys that i work with so thank you so this has been a lot of fun i appreciate you both having me on And if you guys want to have some fun and chime in, go to adfreeshows.com and sign up. You will not regret it. It is time to go over the ropes. This is where we go over the ropes of the present back into the past. But at the cricket has evolved so much over the years. There are three major formats. Test, which is 21 days. Oh, sorry. I'm not Jeff Jarrett. Test, which is five days. One day internationals or ODI for short. But there is one that changed cricket in a very major way, and that is T20s. It's been well established here that I've only been watching cricket for a short amount of time but you were watching when T20s first started. So can you tell us all about, well, no, maybe not all about, because then we'll be here forever, but can you tell us about the T20 (laughs) format of cricket? Ah, well, uh, and I wasn't even uh, very young when T20 cricket started. It happened in 2004. Uh, Though you're right. I mean, if you want to know all about it, we might be here for the next uh, couple of days at least. Yeah, and then I'll take a break and come back to it. But (laughs) yeah, it's... had an interesting beginning. Now people think of T20 cricket, Rajiv, and people just think that, oh, Indians must have started it with the IPL. 
but uh, you know and uh, and you you bring it up at an interesting time when the 100 has started in england and you know there are so many mixed views about whether it's a good thing for cricket a bad thing for cricket we have spoken about it on two consecutive shows which also then uh, brings me to uh, a point where i want to congratulate not just you but me for having done this for 14 straight oh okay, there was that one gap week where i was on vacation but 14 weeks that's uh, you know uh, i can't wait for us to get to 83 weeks and then you know and i don't know what happens and <laughs> when smith man buys us out i guess or no not really the high finger poke of doom happens yeah there you go <laughs> or nick or mick foley wins the title and butts in seats happen <laughs> so oh. yeah we need to get tony shivani on for our 84th week because yeah. you know the blame lies on him for that <laughs> unfortunately or as it's unfair on poor tony like yeah, he was just following orders wasn't he <laughs> so yeah maybe we'll say maybe like you know towards the end of our 83rd uh, show we'll say something like oh did you hear on uh, that podcast yet they have uh, you know whoever they have no oh, maybe it'll be they have mick foley as guest like yeah like like that's going to put butts on seat <laughs> yeah but oh again i digress coming back to t20 cricket which has nothing to do with mick foley or 83 weeks or eric bishop or anyone um so like the 100 uh the reason the 100 format was uh came or came into being was uh, you know the ecb the english and england and wales cricket board was striking a massive broadcast deal uh, a couple of years ago and uh they decided to come up with a format which kind of appeals to the whole franchisee format that's i i leave the 100 at that similarly back in the early 2000s um, you know the ecb had seen that they especially with their domestic cricket uh, attendance has had fallen by 17% which is quite a significant number uh, you know if you think about it and county cricket has existed since the mid to late 1800s like you know and it's a big deal in county cricket i've been to england and covered cricket there and you know uh, it, it's actually fascinating like you know if you ever go to england you should get yourself to more than a test match a county game like you'll have all these people with their own little private personal scoreboard scoring everything people of a certain generation but some young people as well um and you know there's there's always been that fascination around county cricket but once the attendances started falling that badly you know 17% uh the ecb really want were looking at some some way to you know fix that issue and one of the reasons uh they felt for uh, you know people falling out was because society was changing like you know by 2002 2003 people couldn't really take the day off or you know couldn't that's the problem with cricket right because it starts during the i mean it's played during the day it's the work it's a work day for the cricketers but it's also a work day for most other people doing other jobs unless you are a cricket writer and you get paid for it so uh, you know so the, they realized that they were missing out on that prime time period you know they had they had the one day tournaments they've always had a lot of one day tournaments in fact england they used to have the sunday league a 40 over tournament they used to have the men's and nhs cup which was historically 50 over 55 over competition then became 50 overs uh, and they had the natwest cup which used to be 60 overs right from the 60s to the 90s but then they just felt that you know they weren't connecting enough to the youth and that like i said that prime time period uh, um, you know our post uh, 6 pm or that period was being lost out on so then um in 2003 um the, a marketing executive called stuart robertson came up with this concept uh, which uh, i don't think he expected it to redefine world cricket uh, you know it was just a concept to bring more people in uh, and he i like we heard eric bischoff say the best way to do 
uh, to understand what the people want is to uh, in uh, you know conduct a market research survey, which is exactly what Robertson did, and uh, it you know uh, it cost them a lot of money. Uh, I think I read somewhere two hundred fifty thousand pounds. Uh, but they wanted to find out what is happening. Why aren't people, you know, following cricket as they uh, used to follow cricket? And, um, you know, one thing that they also realized was at this point in time, one day cricket, the middle overs used to be the most boring part of one day cricket. Like, you know, even now one day cricket at times struggles for its relevance, but because they've changed the fielding restrictions in a way where the middle overs are not as, it's not about just, spreading the field and then like batsmen just like you know maneuvering the strike and taking ones and twos as they say which is what used to happen the middling overs were getting a little boring so that wasn't helping the cause when you're already losing people and then you have this part of a match where like you know people aren't people are losing interest uh they had to find a way and we see that in wrestling right we always talk about the three-hour shows the main reason three-hour shows are difficult to maintain or manage is like it's very difficult for anyone of us to, for or any pro wrestling promotion to hold our attention for three straight hours, week after week after week after week. Like it's it's just not possible. Like yeah, and we've spoken a lot about um, the glut of content in wrestling these days. It's very similar to what was happening in cricket, um, and yeah, and Stuart Robertson's um, uh, genius idea was uh, to start you know T Twenty cricket. Uh, you know it was. Uh, 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 you know, it, it, it was built to not just be played during that evening period where people could finish work, come and watch it, but it was also a three and a half hour, hour product, right? And uh, the one sport that sells, I mean, the biggest in England's number one sport is football or soccer, as you guys and people in Australia call it. Uh, and, you know, soccer is like, you know, as you well know, it's played over two halves of 45 minutes each with plus some extra time, injury time. So, uh Basically, within uh, what two hours, the game's done and dusted. Like you know, but uh, they were looking for a format that could not be over in two hours, but a shortish format. And uh, you know, T Twenty cricket uh, was uh, was what they uh, what they went with. And uh, you know, it uh, I, they didn't know how it's going to work out. But the one good thing that they did was uh, the way they played out their finals day. Uh, and just to digress a little. Uh, Martin Crow, the late Martin, late great Martin Crow, uh, a wonderful New Zealand batsman and a visionary in his own right, unfortunately passed away a few years ago. Uh, he had come up with something similar called Supermax cricket in the late 90s or early 2000s, where which is the only form of cricket where you could score an eight. If you hit a six in a particular zone of the ground, you could score an eight. Uh, but you know, it, it they tried it tried it in New Zealand, but it didn't work out for too long, and it fell away. So this came on the back of that, and when they uh, decided to have uh, the two semi-finals and finals on the same weekend day, that's when it really took off. They did it in Trentbridge. They didn't take it to the traditional lords where all competition finals would take place in England. They uh, took it to Trentbridge. There was a lot of music. It 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 became it became a carnival sort of atmosphere. What I was referring to earlier with the minor league US cricket. Uh, or manually cricket in the US. And uh, that's really, uh, you know, uh, that really changed everything. And also it originally was supposed to be at Lords, but, you know, for some reason they had to shift it to Trent Bridge, which was the best thing that could have happened because at Lords it comes with MCC rules and like, you know, stiff up a lip and all that. You couldn't have had 
as much fun as they did <laughs> by hosting it at uh, Trent Bridge in Nottingham, where the first England versus India test match is about to start. Um, and that's how T20 cricket came into being. A lot of countries didn't take it very seriously. The first international was played uh, not long after. Uh, and the first, uh, uh, first time Australia and New Zealand played each other, the New Zealand players played that game wearing their beige uniforms that the famous Kiwis from the 1980s used to wear. Some of them wore wigs, um, you know, and this is an international match, by the way. Uh, they, some of them wore wigs to uh, or mullets, like fake hair to, you know, uh, almost make it look like, oh, this is a throwback to like, you know, pajama cricket, as it was called when colored clothing came into cricket in the late 70s and 80s. Um, and uh, that's how seriously it was taken. But before long, uh, and India was the last country to even acknowledge T20 cricket as a format. India was the last major country to play international T20s. They, they left it till 2006 before they played South Africa. Um, and a year later, they, uh, the ICC decided to have their first ever World T20. Um, India go there with MS Dhoni as captain. All the big players say, you know, this is not for us. Ganguly, Dravid, Tindulkar, they said, Kumble, they all said, no, this is not for us. You take this young team and Dhoni, all yours. Dhoni with his long hair goes there. India beat Pakistan in a most one of the most dramatic finals ever. The la- it went to the last over. That's it. And the world just changed. Uh, uh, just a year later, the IPL starts. And uh, yeah, the cricket as we knew it uh, changed uh, uh, you know, completely. Some might say happily ever after, but some might say that, uh, yeah, I mean, people who didn't, haven't made the most of T20 cricket will always complain and say that it was the start of the end of, uh, you know, cricket as they knew it. But here we are in 2021 and T20 cricket couldn't be um, stronger than ever before. We have a T20 World Cup coming up in a few months. We have a T20 World Cup coming up next year. So, uh, yeah, but it all started with that one idea from Stuart Robertson. Uh, and just because people had, uh, you know, stopped watching cricket. But yeah, it took England a long time to get uh, uh, get good at T20 cricket. And my, how things have changed. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Chop On this week. We really appreciate all the love and support we have received. And thank you again to Paul e. Bromwell for being on the show. Please go follow him on all those social medias that he mentioned earlier. But any last words for our listeners before we head out of here? No, I mean, just uh, we can learn so much from uh, Paulie if you are passionate about what, um, you know, passionate about anything in life. And um, yeah, you are game enough to put yourself out there, invest some time and your energy into it. Uh, it could become your job. And uh, that's that's what he's done really, really well. And uh, yeah, that's that should inspire a lot of people listening to this Uh and, you know, uh, I wouldn't say I, that's what I did. So honestly, I just like stumbled into journalism and here I am all these years later. But like now it's always great to get that perspective, right? I mean, we have, we had Eric Bischoff who's, uh, you know, been in the ring, but mo- mainly like, you know, run the most successful wrestling promotion of the 90s or for a period in the 90s. And his his perspective, we saw, we heard Jeff Jarrett last, last week about all things India and Harbhajan Singh. Hey, I have to say, I was just, to the Ask Jeff Jarrett thing and the first question was Harbhajan Singh and there you go. Uh, I, I mean I'm so proud of myself that I got Conrad Thompson to Google Harbhajan Singh <laughs> which I'll be honest was my original motivation more than like you know getting Jeff Jarrett to talk about him I wanted Conrad to like you know test him out to see if he can say Harbhajan Singh which he did <laughs> so we nailed it um and uh you know it's 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 always good to yeah like i said get that different perspective and uh 
yeah, and a fan perspective, which is what we got from Paul. And he's a little more than just a fan these days, but um, yeah, and we disagreed and agreed on a lot of things. But uh, yeah, there you go. I, I had a lot of fun. And yeah, 14 weeks in running, uh, Rajiv, just uh, 69 weeks to go before we make that one big blunder and it's all over. <laughs> and then it is all over. And until then, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ChopOnPod. On Twitter, he is at BeastieBoy07. I am at the Rajiv 8 Keep chopping on, people.